0: got bad news and good news normally people say I got good news and bad news but normally it happens that the the bad news comes before the good news right usually the good news the bad news is times are tough (laughs) it's really not news is it (laughs) that's bad the bad news the good news is uh, God is still God and Jesus is still Lord all right so keep that in mind as we study this morning. Uh, we're going to look at some situations again in 2 Chronicles as we continue in our message, looking at these chapters, and i got to kind of go a little bit quickly because I, I have to uh, talk about some uh, fam- a family tree that's important for us to understand what's happening in today's, uh, what Ezra is trying to teach out of today's uh, lesson in, in these chapters of 2 Chronicles. Uh, I think in today's time with everything that goes on with the challenges of our world today on top of that the normal challenges of just life life was hard to start with wasn't it? I mean some people got it easy but most anybody who's lived any amount of time knows that there are days that just ain't working and they're stressful Uh, I want us to focus on today on the word hope focus on that word because that is the word hope uh i think the last song that we sang this morning talked a lot about uh the hope that we have in christ and and talks a lot about waiting on god right waiting on him i think i think if you think about that before i get on a down a rabbit trail i think about that it's like How long did the Lord wait for me to repent and turn to Him? And how can I not wait on Him when it comes to knowing what the Lord is doing in all of this? So let's look at uh, 1 Chronicles uh, 17 and 10 and 14. I want to set this background. I want to show you some things that are going on. And then we'll move into what this family tree I want to talk about, which has to do with our message from last week in Jehoshaphat and his alliance with Ahab. Uh, the king of Israel. So here we are in chapter 17 of First, first Chronicles, verses 10 to 14. This is back when David was king. It says, moreover, I tell you that the Lord will build a house, talking to David. Let me get it over here where I can see it. Oh, here it is. The Lord will build a house for you, and it shall come about when your days are fulfilled, that you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up one of your descendants after you, who shall be of your sons. And I will establish his kingdom. He shall build for me a house and I will establish his throne forever. Key word right there. I will be his father and he shall be my son. And I will not take my loving kindness away from him as I took it away from him who was before you. Talking, still talking to David. But I I will settle him my house and my kingdom forever. Key word again. And his throne shall be established forever. Keyword word again. All right, I'm going all the way back to 1 Chronicles chapter, chapter 17 to set up where we are in 2 Chronicles. Right? Chapters 21 to 23. This is God's promise to David. The king. At the time. He's saying that Messiah is going to come into the world through your bloodline. If we misinterpret what we just read, we will read that he's talking about a worldly kingdom, which is most likely why people understood when Jesus was in the world and he came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, they thought he was going to be the king of the Jews and overthrow Rome. Easy misunderstanding if you're not thinking about things on a spiritual realm. God is promising today, in this case, that I will bring one that will be king forever. That's how we know he's talking about the promise of the Messiah. Now, I don't know about you, but when things get rough, when things get hard, we, we tend to, I don't know if it's a habit, or if it's just our nature, or maybe we need to strengthen our faith but we tend to begin to get discouraged or lose hope sometimes. Right? And I think it's easy to go down that road because we live in a world that tells us everything except what's true about God and his promises. Virus or no virus, that's the world we live in. Problem or no problem, that's the world. Political problems, social problems, doesn't matter. The world is constantly throwing at the believers, Jesus is not real. And I don't know about you, but I've been taught years in school and in the hard knocks of life that if you get told something enough, you'll start to believe it. Over and over again, they just keep telling you something, you'll just start to believe it. You'll start accepting it. Well, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Next thing you know, you're telling other people what's not true. <laughs> and you fall into this trap. You've lost hope. You've given in. You've surrendered to what the enemy wants us to surrender to. Mark your Bibles here at Second Chronicles chapter one, 21. I want to talk about Satan right now. I don't want to talk about Satan, but I have to. Satan is not all-knowing like God is. But Satan certainly pays attention to what God does. Satan certainly pays attention to who God is. And when God makes a promise like he made to David that we just read about, Satan surely takes attention to that. And don't you know that Satan and his wicked plans would be to destroy any possibility of God's promise coming into play? I mean, that's the gospel message, y'all, isn't it? I mean, God said everything is broken, I'm going to fix it, I'm going to send the Messiah. There's another example of that same promise, and Satan is surely doing everything possible to get that plan disrupted. And he, does, he tries it over and over and over and over again. So he, he knows that in the bloodline of David is going to come the Messiah. So what does he need to do? He needs to eliminate the bloodline of David. To foil the plans of God. I want you to picture this while I'm talking about all this. And I'm going to start putting it in high gear because I've got to get through this family tree. And it's going to be hard because the names are hard to pronounce. Think think about this big uh, cast iron kettle over a fire right here, and here comes here's Satan and all his wickedness. He's just all his schemes, and he's just over here just stirring that thing up and getting it getting it all nice and cooked. When I'm cooking chili, it, it takes all day. When I cook my chili and it's good chili, it takes all day, and I'm I'm adding to it and I'm tasting. I'm just getting it simmered just right, and it's got the flavors got to come out. I work hard on it. That's what Satan does with his schemes and his plans. So every time as we're reading and as we're talking about, just imagine Satan just over here cooking up a plan to disrupt what God's trying to do. And as you're living your life as the Christian in this world, turning your faith over to Christ, wondering what God is doing in this time of hardship, just imagine Satan's over here doing this right here in your life. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix them. I'm gonna get them all distracted and discouraged. I'm gonna get I'm gonna take their hope. So here we are, 150 years later. Remember last week, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, decided he wanted to make an alliance with Ahab, the king of Israel, who was not with God. Jehoshaphat was supposed to be with God, but he, he, he kind of loved God, but he kind of compromised and made an alliance with somebody who's not following God. When that happens, when kings form alliances, they usually there's some kind of marriage that happens. They tr- somebody gives up a daughter and somebody gives up a son, and marriage happens. Well. Here's what here's the way it went. Y'all ready? Take notes. If you don't if you can't take notes fast enough, it's all being recorded, so you'll be able to go back and look at it. I'm gonna try to get it in order. So there's a guy named F. Bell. Eth E T H B A A L. E. T. H means with. Baal means what? Baal. Not God. Some other God, Satan. So this guy's name is Ethbel. Alright? And this is all in these chapters. Alright. Chapter 21, 22, 23. He says, He's the king of Sin, which is north of Israel, King Ahab's nation, King Ahab's kingdom. And he wants to make an alliance with him. So he gets married to his daughter. With Satan's daughter, with Baal's daughter. Ethbel. His daughter's name is Jezebel. Y'all remember that name? You've heard that name before? She is not a pleasant person. She was not with God. She came from a, a community, a family that worships Baal. That's Ahab. We expect that from him because he's not with God either. Supposed to be, but not. Then they have a daughter named, here's how I say it, Athaliah. All right? Or you can say Athaliah, but I think it's Athaliah. Now, you're going to get this later, but some, you might call her Atha for short. But later, you might find out you might want to call her Eliah. Just think about it. <laughs> so I mean, a couple of people got that. All right, you'll get it later. It, it's an on-the-way homer. Je, uh, Je, okay, Jehoshaphat's son, whose name is Je, Jehoram, married this Aethelite, who's a, who's a Baal worshiper. Her mama's a Baal worshiper. Her mama's mama's a Baal worshiper. Her whole family's are Baal worshippers. Not with God. And here comes Jehoshaphat's son, Jehoshaphat, who's supposed to be with God. Remember last week, he's supposed to be with God. His son, he marries him to Athaliah. And he does that. Remember last week when they made an alliance with Ahab? That was the agreement. That was part of the alliance. So now you got Jezebel and Athaliah. Baal worshiper ladies married into people who are supposed to be God's people Satan he's over here doing this right here he's just stirring the pot he's introducing his wickedness into the hearts of God's people subtly that's the way he functions that's the way he does his plans that's the way he interferes or tries to interfere he's brewing up a pot of wickedness so what does this mean and what does this have to do with hope, you're saying, right? Remember, Ezra is writing these things down for a people who have been freed from 70 years of captivity and they're on their way back to the promised land. Ezra is the writer of, of Chronicles, right? And he's, he's trying to tell them these real-life stories of the way God was faithful to the people and how they got away from God and they suffered and how they can not do that in the future. Here's a clue. That's what this whole Bible is supposed to be for us. That we could learn from those in the past. We can learn what it looks like to be faithful and what happens when we're faithful. We can learn what it looks like to be uh, falling away or compromising and what happens when that happens. God is the same and always has been and always will be. And his promises remain. So let's go to chapter 21, verse 1 and 4. Whoops, I was already there. So chapter 21, here we are, finally. We got we got Satan and his plan is activated, trying to disrupt God and his promise. So here we are, Second Chronicles chapter 21, verses 1 and 4 says, Then Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And Jeho- uh, Jehoram, his son, became king in his place. In other words, Jehoshaphat died, he went and was buried with his fathers. That's all it's saying. Jehoshaphat died and Je- Jehoram became the king. And he had brothers, the sons of Jehoshaphat. Here they are, Ezariah, Jehiel, Zechariah, Zechariah, excuse me, Azariah, Ezariah, that's the hard one, uh, Michio, and Jephthah, Jephthah, with a T. All these were sons of Jehoshaphat, the king of Israel, who is now dead and buried. Why is that important? says, and their father gave them many gifts of silver and gold and precious things and four five cities in Judah. But he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was the firstborn, which is normal. Why do we need to know about these other sons? Because Jehoram, in verse 4, now when Jehoram had taken over the kingdom of his father and made himself secure, in other words, he was crowned king, he killed all his brothers with the sword. And some of the rulers of Israel also. Now why would he do something like that? Why would Jehoram, who's been given the king by his father, rightfully given the heir to the king and the heir to the throne, why would he turn around and kill his own brothers? Because that's the way they did it in the nations that worship Baal. Where his wife and her family came from. That was their custom because they didn't want any challengers to the throne. This is not the way of God. And here we are. Satan's over here just stirring the pot. He just keeps right on sowing wickedness in the hearts of God's people. He just keeps right on. And he adds a little bit of lie here, sprinkles it right in just enough. Little minute of deceit over here, chopped it up real fine and nice like, and laid it right in there and just stirred it right up. And now you got the king of God's people killing his own brothers as is custom to the Baal worshiping nations. Let's look at verse six real quick. page verse six says this in the new american standard version and he walked in the way talking about Jehor, jehoram he walked in the way of the kings of israel just as the house of ahab did now that sounds like when you, when you when you hear kings of israel it sounds like he was walking in the ways of those who followed god but remember ahab did not follow god He said, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. God is watching. God sees it all. Verse 7 says, yet the Lord was not willing to destroy the house of David because of the covenant. What covenant? The covenant we just read in 1 Chronicles. The promise of the Messiah. This is important for us to see. And since he had promised to give a lamp to him and his sons forever, key word forever. Notice I keep saying key word forever, right? This is like a lot of years ago, y'all. But that word forever still stands today. God has not stopped being God. Jesus is still Lord. God's promise lasts forever to those who love him what's the promise genesis chapter 3 man has sinned everything is wrong god will fix it we know because we live on this side of the cross that god fixed it by sending jesus to the cross so that we could have reconciliation with him perfection in christ and have eternal life with god isn't that great So here's the question. Why would God allow wicked or evil people to be ruled by ungodly people? It's not really the way it's written up there, but that's the same question. Why would God allow wicked or evil people to rule over godly people? Is that not the question that we're asking ourselves today? Why is God allowing people who do not love him, do not serve him, in fact are against him, to get away with what they get away with. I think you'll find the answer in verse 7 that we just read. Because God has made certain promises and he's got a plan. God is faithful to what he says he's going to do. The only ones that fall out of line with God in all of God's creation is man. Every other part of God's creation does what it's created to do. Think about that. We're we're the ones that have the issue. So the real question is this. Why do godly people allow it? Why do godly people allow the ungodly, the wicked, to rule in their hearts? Why do we allow Satan to just keep stirring that pot in our hearts of wickedness and lies and deceit? And never standing up and saying, Thus saith the Lord in our lives. Never fleeing from temptation. Never standing in the face of wickedness and saying, God is God and his promises are real. So, no, I won't be discouraged and I won't be defeated. Today's no different than any other day. Today's no different than any day that we can read about in 2 Chronicles, 1 Kings, Genesis, Romans, or Revelation for that matter. The only thing different is what we know in our lives today. The only thing different today as we approach Thanksgiving is it's different than last year's Thanksgiving. Because circumstances and situations have happened. We got people who don't know the Lord and don't love the Lord and don't care about the Lord, in fact, hate Jesus, are trying to tell me and you, the believer, how we can interact with him or not. And we wonder, how can this be? And it's all because we allow Satan to stir his pot. One little thing after another. Because, I mean, all these guys did was just marry these girls. All they ever did was just marry these girls. It's a custom. We we want peace with our neighbors, so we just marry into their family. It'll be okay. But it's not okay, because you're you're intimately involved with the enemy now. But, But, preacher, God says love everybody. But he doesn't say... To accept everything they're about. He doesn't say to let their wicked ways into your life. He doesn't say let the world ride what God says is true about who you are in Christ. He doesn't say get discouraged because somebody in this world is telling you that you have to do something or don't have to do something. When it comes to your faith in Christ. When it comes to living out the gospel in your life. Sometimes I wonder if we've stepped out on the Lord intimately involved in the world to the point where Satan's stirring up his pot in our heart and we compromise and we continue to believe things that aren't true. And then we suddenly look in the mirror and it's like, do I really believe that Jesus is the Christ or not? And some of y'all are sitting back like, well, I believe that. And I'm right there with you, I'm like... Because somebody tells me that I don't believe in Jesus Christ. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold up now. You ain't going to challenge me because I know what I believe. But me and God, I'm looking in the mirror and me and God are talking about that. And he's like, really? Is that why you compromised that day? Is that why you didn't stand firm this other day? Is that why you let this happen in your life? Want to survive? You want revival? We've got to kick the devil out of our hearts. We've got to start living like we really believe what we believe. I'm not challenging your faith. If your faith is challenged right now, it's because the Word of God is saying what it's saying. I love you and the Lord loves you. And we all struggle. But this is how you lose hope, y'all. This is how a believer loses hope. Because, see, hope is Jesus. Hope is the salvation we have by faith in Christ. No one can take that from you. It's not possible. Because God put it there. The only way you can lose it is to surrender it to the enemy and his wicked ways. Just keep on stirring that. That's what was happening here. And here's what it looks like. The world, in all its different ways bombarding you with information that goes against everything that this Bible tells us is true. And we just start, we just it's simmering, and it's the, the aroma of it just keeps coming on. And initially it was like, man, that don't smell good at all, I ain't eating that. did you smell something long enough, you're like, hmm, I'm kind of getting hungry, I might, try, I might take a little taste of it. I, I'm a firm believer in that almost anything you can think of, you can make it taste good if you work at it long enough. Critter-wise, animals, like food, right? If I'm hungry enough, I'll eat just about anything. I got my preferences, y'all know that. But when it comes to spiritual things of life, that's what Satan does. He's constantly setting the table for you. Because he's trying to disrupt the promise that God made in your life. Because he knows he could not disrupt this promise. And he knows he's defeated. All he can do now is take as many people down as he can get. All he can do now is destroy your heart. And the only way he can do that is to allow you to do it. Well, look. So this guy dies. Jehoram dies. Uh, Ahazel died in battle. He served as king for a year. He died in battle because his mama is Athaliah, right? So well, here's what his mama does. You remember I told you that uh, we're going to call her A- Atha to start with, but then later we're going to call her Eliah? Okay, she says that her son is dead, so she kills all the royal family, all the heirs to the throne, so she can claim the kingdom for herself and become the queen of Israel. This is the Baal worshiper, Remember? Mm. That pot's almost done. It's like, just keeps stirring. It's like bubbling and and it's getting thick and it's got all the flavors of wickedness and lies and deceit and evil mixed in it. What she didn't know, and I'm going to speed up to the end, what she didn't know was somebody in the family was smart enough to save the youngest child who was the true heir hid that child in the church, in the temple, for six years. You can read it. All the way to 23. 21, 22, 23, you can read it. Hid the kid in the temple, because who's not going to look for the kid in the temple? Satan is not going to look for the kid in the temple of God. Perfect place to hide him. Seven years go by. Seven years, and all these people, seven years of this wicked, wicked, bell-worshiping lady ruling over God's people. And they're so discouraged and distraught and they're becoming hateful even towards one another. And all hope is gone in their eyes because the promise of the Messiah is no more. That's in their minds. That's where they are. They lost hope because they forgot about God and his faithfulness. Because they couldn't see past the steam and the fog of Satan's porridge of wickedness that he's over here stirring in their life. So the priest, who's married to the lady that hid this kid, who happens to be his aunt, brings the kid out after seven years and said, got the whole community out there and said, this right here is the son who is the proper heir. And looks at this wicked woman who is the agent of Satan and says, nah, nanny nah, boo boo. <laughs> right? Y'all be praising God right now. This is the gospel, y'all. Satan was trying to kill every person involved with Jesus coming into the world and going to the cross and defeating him forever, and he failed. And we have hope now because of that. So here we are, almost 11 months, maybe 10 months into a virus, which is hard on us, and we're losing hope, being distracted from who God is and his faithfulness. and the hope that we have in Christ. That's 11 months. These people lasted seven years. I'm going to make it short. (laughs) Who said too late? Here we are. Let's be reminded, y'all. Read 21, 22, and 23 tonight. Read over it and study it and think about the things we're talking about. Here's what I want you to know. Write these down. First Chronicles chapter 17 shows us that God always has a plan to build up. God always has a plan to build up. God's plans are perfect and they will always, always be fulfilled. Just when you get discouraged or losing hope, know that God is working on things. God is building up the church. God is doing something way bigger than what we can imagine. Like saving lives from the pit of hell in their sins. Number two, Satan always has plans to tear down. You feel torn down? You feel discouraged? Like the world is against us? You feel like the world is going down the drain quickly? You're getting a glimpse of Satan stirring that pot. Just stirring it up. Because he can't win. He knows he can't win. He's just stirring it up trying to get as many people to walk away from God as he can. To surrender their hope that they have in Christ as he can. He's trying to get as many people who aren't saved to believe that this hope that we have in Christ is not real and never accept it. That's his plan. Number three, get ready for it, y'all. 2 Chronicles chapter 23. God always wins. Our Lord always wins your Savior, my Savior, always, always win. Even if I suffer till my last breath in this earth, as long as I hold to that hope and stay faithful to my faith in him, I will win. And the same is true for all of y'all. So be encouraged. The key to revival is not getting everything back to where we're comfortable, getting everything back to normal want we'll to talk about normal, let's look at the big picture. The entirety of the history of man, there was more suffering than there was comfort for the believers. That's normal. But they had hope and they had joy in Christ. Read the book of Acts and you can see it. You want to make disciples? You want people to get saved? You want, you want the church to be filled with people who are coming to Christ and getting saved? Then we need to embrace the suffering that goes on for standing for Jesus. We need to have the joy alive in our hearts, no matter what's going on in the world. Way too many of the believers of the world are watching the news more than they're reading their Bible. The key to revival is living your life like what you believe about Christ is really true. The real question is, not why does God allow wicked people to get away with wicked things in the lives of believers. The real question is, why do believers allow those wicked things to overtake their lives? I tried as hard as I could to get all that down to to an appropriate time for y'all. But I'm going to let you know this. In my short time in this earth, the mist that's my life, I've never experienced a more pressing time to dig in to my faith than right now. I've never experienced a a, a harder situation, a a more intense spiritual attack in my life in the life of the church, the body of Christ, than I've experienced right now that doesn't mean it's never happened I'm just not old enough to be experiencing it some of y'all have been through some things outside of what goes on in this world in your families and in your personal life that challenge you spiritually Satan would just stir in that pot and keep that pot you gotta understand and you gotta believe that Jesus. when Jesus came out of that grave he kicked that pot over and there is nothing there As time goes by, I sit back and I'm realizing that there is nothing in this world that can be trusted but God. I love you and the Lord loves you. You don't know the Lord and you can totally surrender to him. Totally believe that he is the Christ. Totally believe he is the fulfillment of God's promise to me and you about our problem of sin, our rebelliousness against his holiness. You don't believe that, let's talk about it. Come see me and we'll go talk about it. We'll pray about it. Sure. The leadership for sure. So 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 the question the question is for for those of you who are at home is how do, how do we pray for the leaders of the church because Satan seems to be coming after the leadership, which is true. Uh, how do we pray for the leaders? And I appreciate your question and I appreciate your desire to do so. Uh, we pray against Satan and his lies. We pray to strengthen the leaders with God's strength and pray that we would continue to be faithful. That's all. That's all. Because our elders need it. Are the, the people that are leading other ministries in this church need it anytime we're working for the Lord Satan's just going to keep stirring that pot anytime every time and when you find yourself falling into this discouragement it's because you're smelling the aroma of the wickedness and the lies of Satan and it's overwhelming i'm going to we're going to sing a song if you don't know the lord if you don't know about this hope like you have this hope tell me if you're online and you're feeling like you need to understand this get with me online on the facebook page call the church call me do something to get over here so we can talk about it i love you and the lord loves you let's sing together you ready